Crawling back to the light is a segment we are going to continue to do for a little bit. I don't know when we'll stop, but it's ideally we're going to do it at 2 o'clock after our live on the Drew Marshall Show segment. Next week on that is uh, Blair Packham. Uh, crawling back to the light. How does someone come back to God? Quote, unquote. So here's uh, here's the thing. I'll stumble over this. Back in 2010, after seven years of hosting this show, I came out. <laughs> I admitted during an interview with Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias that I was no longer convinced that there was a God. Mostly because after 30 years of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, quote unquote, there's a lot of quote unquote with this stuff, I realized that this God I was serving wasn't actually all that personal, in my opinion. Going public as a doubter, not an atheist, and no longer considering myself part of the evangelical tribe of certainty, I left. I left organized religion, I left the church, and I left it up to God to reveal himself to me through one of those tangible encounters I kept hearing so many in my tribe speak about. You can uh, read, if you're really actually interested in that stuff, you can read about uh, that on the website. Go to drewmarshall.ca and click on Drugal, Drew Search for God. See what we did there? You're the best. Because of some fractured, though, fractured relationships in my world, me being, of course, the common denominator, 2017 ended up being the worst uh, year of my life. So I've decided in my guinea pig theological experiment way, which is called the Drew Marshall Show, I've decided that since my way didn't work, that it's time to crawl back to the light, and I've decided to do that once again publicly. As embarrassing as it is to admit personal and spiritual failure... My hope is that others experiencing maybe similar frustrations might learn something from my conversations with a few people who have had a profound impact on my life. The bottom line is, guys, that I'm still not sure that there's a God, but my life seems to be, well, it seemed to be better when I did think there was a God. So it's time to crawl back to the light. Helping me process all that stuff last week was Kay Warren, uh, wife of Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life Guy and Saddleback Church uh, Founders. Next week, it's uh, Paul Young from The Shack. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Author, dude. Uh, this week, it's Bruxy Cavey. Oh, he's a good guy. Senior pastor at the meeting house. I thought you were teaching pastor. What, uh, senior pastor or teaching pastor? Which which is it? It's all it's combined now. Oh. We've got three senior pastors. We change our structure every few years just to keep us on our toes. <laughs> okay. We have three senior pastors, one in charge of pastoring, one in charge of operations, and I'm a senior pastor in charge of teaching. Teaching. Okay. So you're the senior, you te- call me senior teaching senior, pastor. Yeah, or I okay. teach seniors. Either <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Uh, he's also the best-selling author. Of a book I thoroughly enjoyed. It's called The End of Religion. Bruxy.com. B-R-U-X-Y. Bruxy.com. Um, knowing you were coming here today to talk about this sort of thing. And, by the way, you were also part of the journey seven years ago when I came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of your, well, a couple of your comments stood out to me the most in my journey. Because I asked the question on air <clears throat> seven years ago when I came out about my doubts. Should I not be doing this radio show anymore? And your answer was, well... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've never actually professed to be some sort of ministry. It's a radio show. You know, it's not a ministry. You've never, you never professed to be someone who's teaching someone spiritually or whatever. So, so why, would you, why would you stop? Yeah, where, where the real Drew Marshall stops and the show Drew Marshall ends is not a clear line. You've actually found a way of integrating yourself into the show and right. being r- roughly honest. And so I think it's been fantastic that you, you actually set a new pattern of doing what would be show business is actually a lot of entertainment, yes, but it's also you being you and bringing people along. Well, another thing you said to me was, uh, you know, one of the reasons I sort of stepped off. Step off. <laughs> Step off. <laughs> um, was because 
as I examined 30 years of being in the evangelical tribe of certainty, and I heard about all these people who've had these apparent tangible encounters mm. with the creator, or with Jeebus, as the Simpsons call him, mm. uh, I, I had none. And I was frustrated by that, and I couldn't, I didn't understand it. And you said to me, we need more people with a microphone or TV camera who have not had those experiences, because yes. it seems like everyone with a microphone or TV camera has had those experiences. Yes, yes, I'm with you. I've never had any kind of experience that I could describe as supernatural. I, I, I'm, I'm in the same experiential boat as you. Is that just because we're too cognitive? And we're not emotive enough. Like, I'm an emotional chump, dude. I yeah. cried in Hook. <laughs> Seriously, Robin Williams is playing the character of Hook. Yeah. And and he was uh, trying to think of, remember his happy thoughts? So he could fly? Do you ever do you ever remember the movie Hook? No, I don't think I saw Okay. It. Anyway, he thought of his kids. Yeah. And I just started uh, sobbing. Yeah. No, it's true. I'm, I'm emotional too. But the, when it comes to the uh, supernatural and the invisible, I think there are there's a certain layer of people, a certain personality construct that just needs something tangible to to hold on to to see it happen. And and some of us have been so immersed in the story of Jesus for so long that it's just become like the furniture in the room. Yeah, we need a story to happen around that furniture, but that actual story of Jesus is just kind of in, like this an inanimate part of our brain that sits there and it's hard for us to get to to, to connect with it emotionally uh, a few years ago i um i took one of the jesus movies it happened to be the um the gospel of matthew word for word okay so the gospel of matthew word for word makes for a lousy screenplay because the gospels weren't <laughs> written as a screenplay but they but with bible open you can go through the gospel of matthew word for word i thought it was great but you could do this with any jesus movie movie for three years i watched it over and over and stopped just before the crucifixion scene so I hung out with one version of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew for three years, the way the disciples got to. Then one Easter, I watched the crucifixion scene, and I'm glad I was alone when I watched it because I collapsed. I actually collapsed on the floor and bawled like a baby in a way I've never done because I had to kind of cr create – I knew that for myself, I was so familiar, I had to actually what, – what would it be like to hang out with – Jesus, and I needed one face to represent Jesus to me for three years, hang out, go over, look at his teaching, get really encouraged by the fact I get to hang out with this guy. And then when I watched the crucifixion scene, all that was ripped away from me, and I felt, I think for a moment, what the disciples might have felt. And it's just like, I just, I, I just, the world fell apart. And I knew the resurrection's coming, but I couldn't even go there for the, and over that weekend, over Easter weekend, I kind of journeyed through the crucifixion and the resurrection at an emotional level I'd never have in my life. But I needed a tool to help me do that because I had, I had become too familiar with the story. Guys like us may just have to stop and say, what do I need to do? What spiritual practice is what this really becomes for me to emotionally connect with? And then I know I'm not fabricating an emotion. I'm actually connecting with something at, at a real level, something I believe is true. It is my lack of emotion that is fabricated that my overfamiliarity has done to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. As, um, uh, I think it was Dawkins, uh, the phrase is the anesthetic of familiarity. Yeah, that's good. Yes, and that for many people in the church who've been there for a long time, they're suffering from that. And we need to find a spiritual practice that will help us wake up. And I know there are those people who are outside looking in saying, well, you're just trying to fabricate a false emotional positive. And I would say, no, we're actually – what is false and weird about us is that we're not emotionally connected to 
what is the greatest love story ever. And so spiritual practice of some sort, and different practices will work differently with different people, but we find that spiritual practice that helps us reconnect. Okay, how, how, <clears throat> how, how, do, I, how do I crawl back? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a simple question. Yeah, yeah. But I, I am so empty and broken that I don't want to go into this with um, I I feel I feel like oh, wow hold on um, empty vessel is how I feel so I need some serious advice from people that can yeah. give me can school me a little bit yeah, on this yeah. so if you were me how would you crawl back okay can I can I tell you three things not to crawl back to and then I'll tell you what to crawl back to okay okay don't try and crawl back to the past to some experience you had or some. <sighs> It's so interesting you said that because that's where my mind is going. I'm like, I even started thinking about Keith Green music the other day. And I sent an email to Melody saying, it'd be great to have you on the show. I watched (laughs) old Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill (laughs) videos and stuff. You're you, so interesting you well, said that. And, and you can all of that can be redeemed and used, but it has to be brought into the present of who you are now because the past is past, of course, but you're also never going to be that person again. You are always changing into someone else. And so the you who is who 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 has this sentimental connection with the um kind of Randy Stonehill era, right? Or um Sparrow music. Yes. Right? <laughs> second chapter of Acts or whoever. Sec- like, okay, that okay. was not a good example. Okay, all right, second no, sorry, chapter of Acts. Sorry. But, you know, you could... Ghost Town. Yeah, we could go back and we can listen to the music and the teaching and that can be helpful, but, I, but I'm not that person anymore. And I can't... So my connection with that will be different somehow. And so we can't time travel because you can't go back and become a person you were. So don't just try and recapture the past. Bring the best of the past into the who you are now. And that is a different spiritual practice. Uh, next, don't just come crawling back to the church. You will be part of the church and you are part of the church. But if the church is your goal, the hypocrisy, the failure, the brokenness in the church itself will kill you. You need a greater foundation than this, just the church in general. Don't try, try, don't try and crawl back to the past. Don't crawl back to the church. Lastly, I would say... This will be misunderstood, but I'll say it anyway. Don't crawl back to God. Crawl back to Jesus, and he will lead you to God. You're such a – seriously, you irritate me how Jesus you are. Even that irritates me, and I still love God. Yeah. Not like – Hold on. Let me just say what I think you're trying to say, and you tell me if I've already got it, and then Mm -hmm. put some more meat on those bones. I think what you're trying to say, and you've always kind of said this, is that if you really want to understand God, you have to understand Jesus, because Jesus was God's way of helping us understand him. Yes. God gave us his greatest sermon about himself, his self-revelatory sermon, where he said, here is my heart, and that is the life and teaching of Jesus. And for us to kind of push that aside and say, hey, God, what else have you got for me? Can I please have this spiritual experience with your spirit? Can I please um, practice this gift? Can I float on this cloud? And he can say, well, hold on. I, I gave my life revealing my heart to you, and you're like, yeah, thank you very much. Can I, we move on from that? It's like a lousy first date. That's like, you know, like you, you go out to dinner with, and she, and she says, I'm going to tell you my heart because I just got to trust somebody. Here you go, and here is my heart. And you go, hmm, interesting. Anyway, you want to go bowling? It's, it's like, I want to have an experience with you. Wait, so that's wrong? Yeah. 
<laughs> you don't sweat right. much for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's this like lifelong sermon of God revealing his heart. It's his love letter. Here, let me read you a verse. First Peter, the Apostle Peter's writing to the church, and he's talking to them about their belief in God, and they're very God-focused, but he reminds them of something. In First Peter mm, chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Remember that through Jesus you believe in God. Through Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Yes, you have gotten to God, but the only reason you know God is good, the only reason you know God doesn't hate you is because of Jesus. And if you don't keep your eyes firmly fixed on that, you'll always be the prodigal son who is saying, I've blown it so much, why should I go back? In fact, even when the prodigal son did go back, it was just a glimmer of his, bad, his dad not being totally vindictive that gave him the hope to go back. He said, maybe I can go back and be a servant of my father. He still had no idea of how amazingly gracious his father was. But then Jesus tells us the rest of the story and says, it's not just a matter of saying, maybe I need to go back because my life needs to be a bit better. Maybe my dad won't kill me. Maybe he's not going to be a jerk about it. It's actually Jesus saying, know the whole story. He is waiting to throw the party. That's how ridiculous his love is. Only Jesus, only Jesus of any philosopher or religious teacher gives us that view of how much God wants us to come home. Okay. Maybe I wasn't saved in the first place. There is a group of mm-hmm. God people out there that would be saying that. Right. right. You know, it's like, uh, it, and that ties in with do we know what that? Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. um, maybe that it, that ties in with those people who um, the phrase backslidden. Yeah, sure. There's a group German of God theology. people who will spend their whole life trying to figure out those puzzles, and every life and every salvation story and every falling away story and every coming back story will yeah. become a theological puzzle to be solved. It's, right. Every soul looks like a Rubik's cube to them, and they just want to figure out how to. And I would say Jesus frees us up from all of that. What you can interpret the prodigal son story as he was always his son. When he was a jerk and he wandered far, he was always his son. Mm. Now, the father, when the son comes home, says, my son was dead and now he's alive. You could say, always his son, but outside of his blessing. Or you could say, no, he was dead, so he was his son, so he lost his salvation. He was dead. Now he's resurrected back to salvation. And someone else can say, no, he was never his son because a son doesn't die. There, there's, you could, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Here's the great thing about where I'm at right now. I have worked so hard. And I don't even have to work as hard at it anymore, uh, at it anymore because where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. the yabuts don't matter. When you're this empty and this broken, mm. the yabuts, you can't yabut your way to what's next. You got no more yabuts. It's like cr- it's easier to crawl when you don't have a big bag of yabuts on your back. Yeah. Yeah. And and somebody like you with a not only a history like you live growing up in the church, but a mind like yours that is a reflective mind that is always analyzing. Even when you're experiencing experience, you have a version of your own mind that's stepping back from that yeah. and analyzing you having the experience, right? <laughs> you probably even have a version of you analyzing why you're analyzing you having the experience. So that you're, you're, Get out of yep, my head, Roxy! Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so to actually just have a pure and simple uh, kind of rest in the arms of God is something that in this life is going to be preciously right, rare. But that's what I wanted. I wanted to rest in yeah. the arms of God. Yeah. And I rested in air. Yeah, because you have, well, I, I think you have a mind that is always going to be holding you back, one, one step removed from that. In fact, it would take some kind of bottoming out for a mind like yours to just say, okay, I'm ready to... I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for the next step, whatever yeah. it is. Um, 
I think I was, so I was reading a passage you know well. I want to read it to you because I want you to just listen, but it's already a passage you know well uh, uh, from Matthew 11. It's the Jesus, follow me and have rest. Come to me and have rest passage. And I was reading that and thinking, this is, this is written to Drew. This is for Drew. And, and me too because I, I resonate with how your mind works. I'm the less articulate, more fumbly version of your brain. And I think – Yeah, that would be the exact opposite. <laughs> I, I think, I think you're – there is a kind of rest that Jesus promises that gives us a simple singularity of focus and, a, and our yeah buts can just be put on the shelf for a bit. It doesn't mean they'll ever go away. I think in this life, the brain you got and the brain I got is the brain we're going to have. But there's a way your kind of brain can still have rest. I'm convinced of it. I'm, I'm experiencing that myself. I don't think there is unless, there's, unless you get to this point. Yeah, you right. Just, you yeah. just said it. Right. You, you had to unfortunately get to this point yes. where you acknowledge the amount of yeah buts going on, mm. but you willingly put them aside because you, you're so weak you can't carry your yeah buts. Yes, yes. So true. The, pro- the, worst, the worst case scenario for the prodigal son – would have been that he had a fairly okay life after he left the father. Wondered if he should go back, but he's still having a good time. The end. Hmm. Right? Hmm. He, it, it's, it's the crisis that actually brings hope. Did you want to read that? Yeah. When I read this, I want you, by the way, you know the words, but don't listen just to the words. Listen to the meaning behind the words. Because we already know that Jesus was speaking in Aramaic. Aramaic was translated into Greek. That's the original manuscripts. Already a translation. So they didn't feel like we have to have the magical words of Jesus. It's the meaning. The original manuscripts are already a translation. And then out of the Greek into English, the actual words are less important than what was Jesus saying? What was his intent as he was mouthing these words in Aramaic to his disciples? Okay. All right. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. That's the first maneuver, and it's so simple. And I don't have to figure out what God is thinking, what God is like. I just need to come to Jesus, and he's going to give me a kind of rest, theological rest, intellectual rest, emotional rest, religious rest. Um, religious rest, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's so hard to suppress the yeah buts. They're still there. Sure. And, you know, you need to have a group of people you can get together with every so often and just say, that's the Yabut Club. Let them all out. We call it the Yabut, Yabut Drews. <laughs> ah, that, that's the name of your, of your series here. Forget Crawling Back to the Light. Yabut, Yabut Drews. Yabut, Yabut Drews. Why We First of all, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show, and we are in a segment called Crawling Back to the Light. How does someone come back to God uh, mm. like me? Someone said, "Oh, this first came to mind when I was thinking when mm. I heard about what you're what you're doing." Mm. Oh God, you have ground me down and devastated my family, mm. as if to prove I have sinned. You've reduced me to skin and bones. My gaunt flesh testifies against me. God hates me and angrily tears me apart. 
He snaps his teeth at me and pierces me with his eyes. So let's go to the first part because I think that's more apropos. God, you have ground me down and devastated my family. As if to prove I have sinned, you've reduced me to skin and bones. So uh, that's Job. Hmm. And the Job story is perplexing. (laughs) But that brings me to this question. Is that what God does? Because the default is... Well, if that's the kind of God, then I, I don't want to get into that. If you, really? This is the kind of God you serve? He tears you down. He, he rips you apart. He devastates your family. So that what? You bow at his feet? Hmm. You know, that sounds like some Egyptian warlord thing or something. Sure. Well, we were talking about the parable of the prodigal son. Let's just see if it fits because that's what Jesus was telling us God is like. It's right there in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, I'll give you rest. So his teaching gives us rest. Is the God, the father in the parable of the prodigal son, some kind of Egyptian warlord saying, you better get back here and worship me and I will make you a slave. That's what he thought. In fact, that's what he thought when he was feeding the pigs. He thought, well, if I can go home and be a servant, mm-hmm. at least he won't kill me. Mm-hmm. But I could at least serve him and spend the rest of my life making it up to him for being such a jerk. I will go and serve him and prop that's, up his ego. Uh, that's all I'm that's that was even enough for him to go back and then he goes back and finds out there's none of that. There's just none of that. Yeah. There's him saying, No, I, I called you into existence because I wanted to hang out with you. Right. Just thank you for being here. Let's celebrate. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand that um, from a theological point of view, there's a difference between Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. But if God is the same yesterday, today, and blah, 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 then it's the same God. So does he have a personality disorder, right? So this kind of stuff. Or, you know, as old people do, many old people, they get nicer as close as they get to death, you know. Uh, well, somebody's just the older God. They go, oh, I can't be bothered. You're okay, fine. You're good. Um, but also, I understand that, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that God did stuff to my world to break me. I'm very convinced that I did stuff to my world and I'm broken. Mm -hmm. I get that math. And God could see where that's leading. It's leading to you bottoming out. But he's saying, I know Drew needs that. Because the worst case scenario for Drew's story is he's going to have a mildly successful life and live at a distance from me for the rest of his days. That's the bad news story. Yeah. The actual bottoming out and you coming back to the Father, that's what good news can be. Somebody said to me today, they didn't word it this way, but I, I said, what I just heard you say to me was, are you buying back into Jesus so that you'll make more money on your show and get more advertisers? Oh. Can you believe that? And when I le- when I, when yeah. I chucked things, yeah. I had people yeah. say the same thing to me. Is this Diane Cannon from, oh. uh, from Hollywood, uh, married to Cary Grant, left me a voicemail and said, I want to know if this is real or if this is fake. Because if it's yeah. if it's real, I want to spank you. Like, are you doing this for ratings or is it for real? Kind of right, thing, you know. Right, right. Who would want to talk about such failings and yeah. especially when it's a tribal station? Well, I understand that people are used to God folks with a microphone using it for ratings, and maybe people who don't know you well enough don't see how you have integrated being Drew and being the Drew Marshall radio guy. But there is a lot of integration. I'm sure there's stuff you don't mention here. There's a private life and there's a public life. But there's more integration with your show than I think most people would realize. And in some sense, can't fault people because that's just the way of the world. There's yeah. not a lot of integration. People have their on-air personality, their on off-air, and, they, and they're used to religious scamming. So I can see people would ask that question. As somebody knows you, though, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that you are 
going through things kind of live in front of others. And I think there's always a part of you that says, maybe this is going to help somebody, so I'll go through it in an open way. My show is like publicly uh, washing out the skid marks of my theology. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing we're not eating Tide Pods. I know. Isn't that just weird? I saw a thing the other day that said the original Tide Pod. Remember that soap gum? Oh, yeah. Thrills. <laughs> Brux, you wouldn't know that. The kids these days are biting into the Tide Pods and seeing if they can do that as a practical little it's way the, to get. The, the step up from the cinnamon challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you remember that? Sorry? Yes. Or Chubby Bunny? Yes. We've done. Yes. Been there. Um, okay. Let's talk about, and we're, uh, man, it goes, time always goes so quick with you. Uh, in a short uh, mm-hmm. few minutes, we're going to chat with Mark Laberton. He is a... Uh, editor of a book called Still Evangelical. Insiders reconsider political, social, and theological meaning. You know, now that Trump is president, evangelicalism in America has cracked more than ever. So that's what we're going to talk about after this. Fascinating. What role does pretending have in faith? (laughs) Well, it it has zero role in faith. It has a big role in religion. There's a distinction. Uh, and we all use our words differently. Some people, just to, com- just to confuse the topic, some people use the word religion the way the, the way the Bible uses the word faith. They'll say, I'm a person who has a great religious connection with Jesus. Well, Jesus never uses the word religion for that. He uses the word faith, which means a trusting, relational, ongoing connection. But there is a kind of religiosity that, that, pr- that puts pretending front and center, even though no one will ever say it. And this is the weird thing you learn in a culture without everyone ever admitting it. It's like growing up in a dysfunctional family where you learn that you don't talk about things. But no one ever sits down in that family and says to the kid growing up, the rule is you don't talk about things in this family. You just learn by what gets your hand slapped, what gets you the awkward silence when you try and bring it up. And, and, and that's, the Christian family has some of these dysfunctions where you just start to learn that there are certain things you don't say. In certain contexts, they'll get you certain negative reactions. So people in, incorporate pretending as part of their religious experience without ever verbalizing it. No one has told them that's the rule. They've just learned by practice, and they've never been able to even speak it to someone else. And, and after a while, there is, I think, this fracturing of, of the self into my religious self and then the rest of me that has all the questions and, and, and doesn't, doesn't fit the system. I think the rest that Jesus is talking about when he says, come to me, I'll give you rest applies across the board. He's not saying this to the weary sinner who says, I've tried sin and I've lived for self and it really has left me broken. It includes that person, but his primary audience is the religious pretender who is just weary from going through the motions Mm. of one more sacrifice, one more religious liturgy. As I do this in public and then in private, I'm, I'm all messed up. But I can't bring that. I can't integrate it into my religious life. He's saying there's a rest I can offer you. Where that's why he starts pulling people around him who are tax collectors and prostitutes, and and he's bringing people around him who don't who don't fit the religious system. So he's living the sermon. His life always illustrates whatever he's talking about. There is rest from pretending too in Jesus. But if you struggle with so look for me, faith has gone from noun to verb. It's not my faith. It, it is faith that I, I need to have. I need to, hmm. be, to, in order for me to believe in something invisible, 
Oh, Drew, it's not invisible. God shows up this way, that way, this way, that way. Shut up. Not in my world. Yeah. Yes, he does. Look yeah, at all the Drew. Look at yeah, but Drew. Look at all the blessings you got. Look how your life yeah. is so blessed. I don't want daddy's stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're not going to go to that again. Well, if but, you can become convinced that God actually entered history 2,000 years ago. So there's a historical faith. Before it's in – got to just skip to the part of where I'm, I'm in believing in and experiencing the invisible stuff right now. So well, hold on. When Jesus entered history, before that it was all promise. After that, it's historical reflection. But if God's going to enter history in one human life, then us born 2,000 years after that, our faith is predicated on looking backward and saying, did that really happen? Is that teaching real? Is that guy there? Now, if I become convinced of that, then when, he, when, when I find out he rises from the dead, when Paul says Jesus is Lord, not Jesus was Lord, I can then start to say, okay, how do I see evidence of that guy in my life today? But I got to start with God entering history in Jesus. And that actually, for brains like ours, is a more concrete place to start. We will drive ourselves mad by always just trying to find the experiential tinglies that the person beside us says they just had yeah. at the same worship service. <laughs> you know, I've just said this before. I went on a missions trip with my friends and we got off the plane. And someone said, can't you just sense the spiritual oppression in this country? I said, I think that's humidity. <laughs> huh? Love it. I think, Love it. Right? Totally. Yeah. So I can't, I can't do that. I, the same thing when I, wherever I used to walk by one of those uh, hippie stores. Yeah. Back in the day when I had this kind of thinking, you'd smell incense and yeah, go, yeah. oh, that's Satan. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. We, people. <laughs> or that. So well, I could say, listen, I, 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 it's all fluff and nonsense. Or maybe that person has a spirit of discernment that I do not have. But if I do not have it and God is responsible for doling out the gifts, I'm not responsible for somehow manufacturing it. I do not have that gift. And so I don't even have to judge them and say, you guys are making it up and I'm in tune with reality. So hard, but I can it's just so say, fun I don't to have judge the gift. them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the gift, so I can say, all right, but I got Jesus. And I can go back and do my homework and do my study. And Jesus says, come to me. He says in the, in the um, Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go baptize Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I, everything I have commanded you. Just as he has said here, we come back to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He'll, he'll send us off into the rest of the world and into the rest of Scripture and into the rest of our own experience with a whole new sense of rest because I know that I don't have to get all that right. I got, I'm hanging out with Jesus. I'm smart enough to know. I've just used this label recently ever since Tony Campolo with his massive ear hair scared me one day and said, <laughs> um, "You, what are you? What are you? What are you? And so I said, I'm a red-letter agnostic theist. <laughs> uh, red letters, the stuff in the Bible yeah, when yeah, it was written yeah. in red is apparently what you, when Jesus was talking. All yeah. I know was Jesus real or not. I don't know. All I know is that stuff is good. Yes. And, and I'm a, I'm kind of I'm a human being that has to uh, admit that I need to submit to something bigger than me. And that's good yeah. stuff to submit to. Agnostic, I don't friggin' know if it's real or not. I don't. I'm not a certaintist. Theist, man, I look around the planet, I see, I see evidence of purpose and design and creator, okay? So there's that. But, uh, but I want, what I want, Brux, just yeah. before we go is, yeah, yeah, yeah. when we were talking on the phone, you, you, what was that scripture you were talking about where um, Jesus said to, uh, I don't know, one of the disciples or something, something like, <laughs> uh, uh, dude, that's not your responsibility. There was a, there was, yeah, yeah, do you yeah. remember what we were yeah. talking about? Yeah, at the end of, uh, at the end of John's gospel, um, he's talking to Peter, and Peter asks him, well, what about, what about the Apostle John? Because he's telling Peter about his future, and you're going to get bound up. And he, and he immediately shifts because he wants to shift the conversation to something more comfortable. And he says, okay, well, tell me about that or tell me about him. And Jesus just says, uh, what is that to you? What is that to you? That's a great – you focus on you. I don't even know if that's the passage that I was No, that's exactly about, what it was. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
There is a this, this that that's a yeah but killer. Yes, yes. I leave you with this. I, I leave you with this. <laughs> you know the Great Commission. I was just talking about that. It was given to how many disciples? Isn't that a ten percent? Oh no, it's tithing. Sorry, <laughs> the, the Great. I was just thinking commission. <laughs> What's my commission? <laughs> the commission is what you make on conversions. <laughs> uh, so it's given to eleven disciples, okay? and. So we've lost Judas, and it says this in at the end of Matthew. I'm talking about the preface just before the Great Commission. It says that the 11 disciples, there's so much pain wrapped up in that one word, 11, right? The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, here's the line, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He gives the Great Commission to a group of doubting worshippers. The Greek construct there, they worshipped him, but some doubted, is saying that within the worshipping group, there's also a group that is worshipping, yes, but doubting while they are. They're saying, I can't believe this is real, but I'm going to engage. This is freaking me out. I have too many questions, but I'm going to engage. It's not two separate groups. There's a subgroup of worshipping doubters. There's also worshipping people who don't struggle with these doubts. We know that. I hate those people. <laughs> but, but, the, be, but the culture mutes the doubters, so we never say anything. Hmm. And there's more of us out there than we realize. We just don't get invited up for testimony time. <laughs> right? so, yep. But it was a group of worshiping doubters that Jesus said, I'm going to trust you with the entire future of this faith. We need more of that authenticity. This is what Jesus is calling us to. And so, you know, being a red-letter agnostic theist is, I would just call that a Christian. Ah. Sorry. You know, someone, <laughs> someone who says, I believe in Jesus and his teachings, his teachings will change the world. I have all my doubts. I'm an agnostic, and I'm going to bring them to him in worship and move forward. It's like, oh, that just makes you a disciple who's worthy of getting the Great Commission. So Bruxy's advice, uh, crawling back to the light, is don't try to replicate your past. Mm-hmm your past faith experience in yep. the tribe. Yep. Um, maybe it's not about crawling back to the church. Yeah, not as an institution. You're going to need people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe don't crawl back to God, crawl back to Jesus, because... He'll lead you to that, God. Yeah, that is the most relatable aspect of God mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Is that... Did it's I like, get that right? It's like Jesus is God reaching down his hand into the pit and saying, grab my hand. We're saying, you got other options? Uh, could I just see your face? For Can I know exactly a bit more of your story and what's going to happen if I grab your hand? And at some point, I think no. he, he has when, every right to say, shut up. When the, <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the quagmire in the quicksand is above the nostrils, yes, yes. you don't care right. what you right. just grab. Yeah. And that's, where, that's what's happening yeah, right now. Good. Quagmire. I just think of... I love that word and that, that TV family show. Family guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brooks, thanks, man. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for inviting us in on your journey. Appreciate it a lot.